Greetings and welcome to The Wellness Space, a weekly podcast specifically designed to address the social, emotional, and mental health concerns of educators. I am your host, Erica Dotson-Hooper, manager of the Teaching and Learning Center for the Harris County Department of Education in Houston, Texas. Each Friday, a new episode will be available that promises to inform, inspire, and empower. Thank you for listening. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to take a moment to offer sincere appreciation for all of the support that we have received from teachers, principals, and superintendents across the country. We are so eager to continue to build on this community of sharing and support. So please join the conversation on social media using the hashtag HCDE Wellness Space. That's hashtag HCDE Wellness Space. You can also follow us on Twitter at underscore wellness space. Thanks for tuning in. I'm incredibly excited about today's guest, but before we get started, let's take a moment and step over into the teacher's lounge. Close the door, get comfortable, and take a moment just to breathe. The power of positivity. Have you ever had occasion to sit with someone who's incredibly negative? I mean, it doesn't matter what the situation, what the scenario, this person always finds a way to bring the mood down. They tend to find problems instead of identifying solutions They seem to think everyone is against them and no one is looking out for their best interests. They'll poke holes in any story and they'll find a way to make every comment a negative reflection of how someone feels about them. I'm sure all of us have been in the company of such individuals and perhaps maybe we might be that individual because truth be told, Every now and then our lens will get a bit cloudy and we'll begin to see things from a distorted lens. However, it's imperative that we find ways to reset our focus so that we are not spewing negative energy, but actually a catalyst for positive energy. With all that we are faced with, with every challenge that we're looking at, especially in the field of education, the last thing we need to be worried about is someone on our bus who's bringing that negative energy. So we wanna encourage you to begin to look around and find things to smile about. No, I'm not saying to smile when there's nothing to be happy about, but I will say that in every situation, there is a bright side. There is always some good. There is always a positive that can be extracted. It's up to us though, to identify it. It's the only way that we will come through any challenge better. It's all in our perception. It's all in our mindset. Zig Ziglar said, your attitude, not your aptitude, will determine your altitude. It's all in the way we look at things. And so even if it appears to be bad or if it appears to be challenging, 
if we look at it with renewed vision, committed to seeing the good, we will be able to be positive and effective. And now, let me introduce to some and present to others our guest for today. Nikki Spears is a motivational speaker, author, and co-founder of the Energy Bus for Schools Leadership Journey, who shares her passion and enthusiasm for creating positive culture in schools. Nikki truly believes that true success is not measured by what we can score on a test or by what we accomplish, but is when our passion and purpose collide and gives new meaning to life. Nikki left her job as a school principal in July of 2016 to follow her dream of helping schools create and sustain positive culture. Her new book entitled The Beauty Underneath the Struggle, Creating Your Bus Story, is scheduled to be released in July 2020. And she is also writing a new series of children's books that will help children embrace a healthy mindset. Now in more than 20 states across the U.S., Nikki is traveling the country, sharing the importance of embracing a leadership mindset, taking 100% responsibility for their thoughts, actions, and results. Nikki believes that leadership extends beyond a title or a position and is a belief that every person in the school can be a leader. Nikki currently resides in Houston, Texas, along with her husband, Kermit, and their three beautiful girls, Brandy, Bianca, and Brooklyn. Get ready for the ride of your lives as Nikki boards us on her energy bus. And now, let's welcome Nikki Spears to the wellness space. Hello, Nikki, and welcome to the wellness space. Hello, Erica. Thank you for inviting me. I am so excited about having you on today. Uh, I was very privileged to be able to sit in one of your amazing high energy (laughs) trainings last year. Um, So I'm so grateful that you agreed to be a guest today. Um, But before we get started, let me know how are you, how you're doing, and what you're doing to care for yourself during this time. Well, Erica, I'm doing awesome. And I think uh, this time has been great for me to kind of settle down a bit Mm -hmm. uh, because I travel so much. So to settle down and I've been writing a lot. So Mm. that's how I've been taking care of myself mentally. Mm -hmm. It's just allowing myself to write and kind of relax and think about where do I go from here? Mm -hmm. That's amazing how you never anticipate things happening the way they do, but they, you know, a lot of times you get an opportunity to tap into some new skills or to some things that you haven't used in a long time. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because I love writing and Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to write a book Mm -hmm. and because I've been so busy, I was like, okay, so, how do I do that? And then getting this time now, I've written one book, uh, the adult book, which I'll tell you about later, and mm. uh, two, two children's books. So I'm excited. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> well, we can't wait to hear about them. So you have an amazing story, but for people out there who are not familiar with your work or your journey, I want you to take this time to just kind of get them filled in and just share with us what brought you to the field of education. Well, uh, ooh, what brought me to the field of education? You know, I never knew I wanted to be an educator because um, 
you know, growing up, my parents always said, so we want you to do something where you make a lot of money, mm-hmm. where most parents, <laughs> that's what they want. So I went into this thing like doctor or lawyer. Yes. And e- neither one I was interested in. I, I, I was horrible with remembering facts and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but I remember the first time I got a chance to substitute teach. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because I was just I was doing it because I just got married and I was looking for uh, some, you know, additional income. Mm-hmm. But I fell in love the mm-hmm. moment I walked into the building and I saw the sights, the smells of cafeteria food. <laughs> and It was just like this place where, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be. And yes. so um from there, I just knew I was supposed to be in education. And then I went and uh, I, you know, got married. I had twin girls mm-hmm. and they went into the Head Start program and I became a Head Start teacher mm-hmm. uh, because of what I was seeing with them. So that's really where my passion mm-hmm. uh, started to come alive was when I, you know, walked into that building being a, a, a substitute teacher, but then observing my kids and what they were learning. I just knew that that's what I was supposed to do. So I spent uh, over, I've been in education for over 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. So you basically got started as a substitute, just kind of testing the waters while your girls uh-huh. were growing up and then got caught and fell in love in the work. So oh, yeah. I know that you started in the teaching profession, but then you moved into the principal role, right? Yes. So I did several things in education. Mm -hmm. I uh, especially worked with Head Start a lot. I was a behavior specialist with Head Start, Mm -hmm. uh, a curriculum coordinator in public schools. Uh, But I wanted to do more. Each role I assumed, I felt like it was something more I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I became a principal. And after two years of being a principal, I thought, Oh, it, you know, the, the walls of the building started to feel like a classroom. Mm. And I said, God, it's something I'm supposed to be doing. And I remember, uh, and I write about this in, in the new book that I talk about, uh, is I, I call it creating your bus story. And I remember <laughs> being on a treadmill in the gym with my husband early one morning mm-hmm. and thinking, God, what am I supposed to be doing? And I was listening to Deepak Chopra mm-hmm. on, on my headphones and he was saying, uh, something about being intentional about what you want to do and mm-hmm. actually seeing yourself doing it. So I envisioned myself going out, talking to uh, teachers, educators about uh, the seven habits, because that's what I was using in my school. And they were making such a great impact in my school, but also in my life. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I want to do this. Uh, and and I'm going to tell you just a few months later, I reached out to uh, John Gordon, not because I wanted to do this for myself, but I wanted to do this for my school. I was using the seven habits in my school mm-hmm. and I was contacted by them and they said, you cannot use these habits unless you buy into our program. And we just couldn't afford it. So mm-hmm. I reached out to John Gordon, the author of the energy bus. And I mm-hmm. asked him if we could build curriculum, uh, you know, with his book for our school uh, long story short, it's it's so funny. I reached out to him on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, he contacted me and said something like, thank you so much for caring. We've been waiting on the right fit. Mm. Uh, so from that, from that moment, I flew down to uh, Florida, made plans to meet him, share with him my vision, what we were doing in my school, what I planned to do. 
And he said, Nikki, you can do this. However, I, I can't pay you for it. So mm-hmm. uh, I ended up leaving my job as a principal with no promise of pay and mm-hmm. uh, diving into this work of helping schools create and sustain a positive culture. And I've been doing that for about four years now. I left my job in 2016. Uh, so I'm coming up on my four year anniversary awesome. this, this month, as a matter of fact. Yeah, <laughs> Fantastic. Well, many congratulations to you stepping out and having bold dreams and not being afraid to just take a leap um, based on what you felt inside. Now, tell us a little about the Energy Bus. Okay. So Energy Bus uh, is a book by John Gordon, uh, and it's, it's about how to transform your thinking based on these principles, but it's written as a fable. Uh, mm-hmm. And you, uh, the, the book is about a guy named George who's very negative. And uh, one day he gets on a bus and it practically changed, it changes his life. And mm-hmm. so the bus driver, whose name is Joy, by the way, uh, inter- <laughs> introduces him to 10 rules for the ride of his life. So what I did uh, when I started thinking about what could I do in my school, because I couldn't use the seven habits. And I was thinking about what could I do in my school, which turned 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 around to being about you know about other schools. But um, I looked at what we had done with the the habits, and I took John's principles from the book, and just created a program, a framework for schools to create and sustain a positive culture. Mm. Uh, so it's really a positive school initiative. Uh, based on the the principles from John Gordon's book, The Energy Bus is basically mm-hmm. what, what it is. And can you just share with me some of the results you've seen? How has this program transformed campuses, especially those campuses that are traditionally low performing or have a history of high turnover? Wow, it's it's been amazing uh, to watch and to hear uh, what people are saying. Students are. I think what what happens is we the the mindset of the adults are changed, and mm-hmm. we look at things in a more positive way. We look at we look at work uh, as a choice, not not somewhere we have to be, but somewhere we get to be. And so mm-hmm. I think when educators are able to transform their thinking and their mindset, that energy transfers to students. So I don't have, normally I don't have direct contact with students. When our team go out, we train the staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes I do pep rallies and I can do all those kind of things. But normally we equip the the teachers to go in and to be uh, that model for students and what positivity, positive culture looks like. Mm. Uh, So it's a matter of, you know, getting the adults on board, helping them understand that it's not okay for you to walk into work negative. And in education, for some reason, we feel that it's okay. It's like sometimes we show up and we think we're doing people a favor just because we showed up for work and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not okay. And and so I'm really direct in that way, because Mm -hmm. as a principal, I saw how that really hurt our campus is when we had so many teachers come in and uh, their energy would definitely transfer to the energy of, of students and families. Uh, so what I've seen is, you know, uh, what, I've, what I've heard people report is discipline 
has turned around. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kids want to be at school. So peer to peer uh, relationships have improved teacher to student relationships. All those relationships are improving because we're thinking about not necessarily what other people can do, Mm -hmm. but what can we do for ourselves and how do we, uh, how do we remain responsible for how we show up each and every day? Mm -hmm. And I think that especially now as, you know, principals and teachers are thinking about returning to school and Mm -hmm. online learning in the midst of this pandemic, you know, many are trying to figure out how can we maintain good culture how can we keep our spirits up how can we be encouraging how do you think this program could work um, for campuses now in this in this pandemic that we find ourselves in I think it's just understanding what you need to do to keep to look at uh, the the possibilities uh, mm-hmm. or opportunities in every challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm always talking about, that's the name of my book is finding the beauty underneath the struggle, creating your bus story. Mm-hmm. And so it's always turning those things that we see as a challenge into a wonderful opportunity. And I see that happening, you know, especially when this thing first hit, I mm-hmm. saw people creating their best bus stories. I saw people, you know, teachers were, going into neighborhoods and having the parades and celebrating students. Uh, People were opening new business. Look at me, I'm writing books. So people were doing things and they were turning this challenge into a wonderful opportunity. So once we learn to embrace challenges in a new way, I think that we will find that we're going to be better on the other side Mm -hmm. of all of this. I believe that with uh, the way education is right now, we've become so accustomed to the old way of of teaching and learning. And now we're going to have to embrace technology in a new way. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to probably go to a a hybrid type model, uh, which many of us were not used to. Even with me, I'm having to get online now and Mm -hmm. do virtual PDs, virtual keynotes. And it, it, it requires you to bring the energy, but I'm learning how to do it effectively where I'm reaching people, you know, online just as effectively as I would if I were standing in front of them. So we have to be more creative. It's requiring us to be more innovative. So I would, I would just say, look for the opportunities here to bring out your best self. This is, this is your time, your moment to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And what would you say to, you know, teachers, especially who have ideas, but, um, are maybe scared or unsure themselves as far as taking things to a new place as we continue on in this learning space? I believe now is, is just the time to try something new. We're going to have to do it anyway. You're mm-hmm. going to have to do it. And as teachers, we are models for students and we're trying to get them, you know, to use their gifts and talent. What better way to show them how to dive into something, even if it, you're, you're perceived as a failure. I don't believe there's any, you know, there's no such thing as failure. You just try and try again. Mm-hmm. And it's always something for us to learn. Uh, so anytime when I think back, Erica, to times where I thought I failed, I really didn't. It was just a stepping t- stone to get to where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And so I would just encourage people to have the faith. Mm-hmm. And, and jump out. You never know what's on the other side of fear until you 
you go until you drive through it. So I would just say step out on the other side of fear and just let it take you to where you're meant to be. That's awesome. Now, as let's talk about the power of positivity um, okay. and using positivity to drive this change. How have you seen people use positivity to reconfigure their campus and the culture? So when, when we talk about positivity, I always have to uh, set a tone for what it is because a lot of times people ask me, uh, Nikki, how do you stay positive all the time? Mm-hmm. And they think that, uh, you know, it's this thing of being happy and uh, being in a good mood all the time. It's not. Uh, I've struggled with negativity my entire life, even as a little girl. I struggled with negative thoughts and didn't know how to get on the, I didn't know how to get out of that dark space. Mm. And once I understood that my thoughts were not a part of me and that I could choose to invite these thoughts in, Mm -hmm. or I could choose to question these thoughts uh, and understand that, you know, they, they will pass just like clouds in the sky. And I started to understand strategies then I was able to transform my uh, personal life, which then transformed everything I was doing in my professional life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the, the power of positivity is really about being able to embrace struggle and challenges in a new way. Uh, if we think about it, you know, when we go and see a, a good movie or we're reading a good book, there's always that element, that, that conflict. There's Mm -hmm. always that conflict. And it's really that part of the story that draws the reader in closer uh, to that main character because we want to know the outcome. So our stories are no different. And I think that if we understand that struggle is a part of the human experience and that it's it's not a bad thing, it's it's a it's a learning and it's it helps us to get to where we need to go. Uh, then we'll have more positive moments because we're not stuck in the mud thinking that this will last forever. Mm-hmm. Everything will pass. And when you think of, if you live long enough and if you're still here on this earth, there are things that happen to you that, and it could be the worst thing in the world, mm-hmm. but with time we've gotten past that and we've learned from that moment. Yes, absolutely. I think that it's all in our mindset, all in yes. the way we view um, what we're going through. I mean, because even though it may be crushing us, um, it's also reforming us. If we're crushed, exactly. we're going to be reformed. You exactly. Know, we're gonna, it emerges something brand new. <laughs> exactly. And it's just a matter of allowing the crushing, knowing that crushing yeah. is not going to last forever, but that when we come forth, we'll be different. We'll be changed. Exactly. You'll be a changed um, person. You're right. When I think about this time, my focus has been trying to ensure that I come out of this time as a better person, um, as a better um, educator, as a better family member, as a better friend, because it's not for naught. You know, there's nothing we can do to change what's going on around us, but we can change what's going on inside of us. Um, And I believe that this... uh, definitely will help impact that in our hearts and in our lives, especially as educators. Um, Look at what you've done, Erica, with the podcast, even during this time, you know, would this have happened 
if you were just continuing to do what you've always done, you know, which you have created a platform like this. So this is just another example of creating your bus story, finding the beauty underneath the struggle. You're absolutely right. Thank you for framing that. You're absolutely right. Um, Because we wanted to make sure that we were taking care of educators, even while we're not able to see them in person um, with the hopes that, what we discuss will touch them wherever they may be. Exactly. So I want to circle back a little bit to your time as a principal. What do you think is the biggest challenge in establishing a positive culture on the campus? I think as a principal is understanding uh, that you have influence, you don't have control. Mm. Uh, And it's up to every individual to help create positive culture So the one thing that I say to leaders when I talk to our principals and superintendents and I'll ask them, you know, to rate their culture on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being the most amazing culture. Now, sometimes the principals will rate themselves or leaders will rate themselves really high. But then when you talk to their team, Mm. it's a different, uh, (laughs) the score is, is totally different. So their views of, of what it, you know, what their culture is, is, is different. So I I think it's getting people to take responsibility Mm. uh, for what they see. So, you know, getting people to understand that, you know, I'm not the only leader on this campus. Mm -hmm. Everybody on our campus is a leader, our custodial staff, our cafeteria staff, because everyone should come together and feel like they are a part of the solution rather than everybody can, we can all point out problems. That's easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we want to, we want to get people solution minded, solution focused. Mm-hmm. So they are a part of the work. So I always go out and I say, you know what, we're all leaders on the campus. And as a leader, if you recognize something, what can you do from your level, no matter where you are in, in the building, what can you do to help solve it? So I think you empowering others is uh, one of the biggest things Mm -hmm. that leaders can do to transform culture so that people feel a part of what's happening Mm -hmm. in the schools or in the district. And a lot of times leaders are a little uncomfortable with sharing the influence because they don't know what folks are going to do with it. (laughs) And so how then do they build trust among their team? Because I know that's a big component too. If I'm going to, you know, give leadership to my teachers or to other people in the building to stand as representatives for our campus or to even be um, interfacing with our stakeholders, how do we know that they're really representing our values? So how do they, how do they build that trust? I think what they need to do, because I, I mean, when you talk about that, I think back to when I was a principal and trying to share that responsibility. Uh, you first have to know your people, know their strengths, because you just don't want to give something away to somebody who's not ready to have that mm. uh, responsibility. And I go back to, you know, you're standing in a staff meeting and you want to give, uh, you know, uh, you want to have one of your teachers present today but you don't know what she's going to present on. And she gets mm-hmm. up and she's saying something totally different than what you've talked about. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take a lot of the principal sitting down, kind of uh, coaching, mm-hmm. listening, uh, understanding what it is that they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're, you're still providing guidance. You're still providing leadership. It's just that you're giving them the opportunity to lead. So it's the same thing we do in the classroom with students, because I find that when I do things with my teachers, 
I want them to go back and, and share that same thing in the classroom with students so that students so, are leading. But you're not going to just give away uh, something without uh, guidance. Mm-hmm. And so you, you're giving constant guidance and coaching and making sure that we're all aligned and on the same path. So when people stand up and speak, you know it's aligned to your mission and your vision of where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, some campuses have negative influences, um, Mm -hmm. people who may not necessarily agree with the vision, people who may not buy into the leadership. How can a leader and those excited members of the team that are on the bus work to kind of transform a person or, you know, to try to bring the positivity out of someone who may be considered a negative Nancy? (laughs) Yeah, and we we have a lot of those. We call those energy vampires on the on the energy bus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll give you an example of uh, one of the principals who contacted me when I first started this program. Mm-hmm. Uh, she contacted me and she said, "Nikki, how is Energy Bus going to help me with one of my negative teachers who's been on campus for thirty years?" Mm-hmm. And I said to her, "I said we're not going to concentrate on her." However, we're not going to ignore her behaviors. But what (laughs) happens is we go in and I know as a principal, I did this. I will give my attention to the 5% Mm -hmm. and my my other 95% are ready to move. And I'm giving all my attention to the people who are negative, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I had to change that because you get more of what you focus on. So I wanted to focus more on the people that were doing the work. And that's what I said to her. I said, we're going to focus, not that you ignore it, because Mm -hmm. you're still going to pull her in and have conversations. Mm -hmm. Because what you want people to understand is that this is who we are and this is where we're going. Mm -hmm. And if you're on the wrong bus, then maybe it's time for you to get off at the next stop. Mm -hmm. You know, people, you want people to come to that conclusion on their own. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they do. And sometimes you have to help them get off, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, this principal said to me after a year of her, her first year of being on the journey with us, that the end of that year, she called me like at six o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. She said, Nikki, you will not guess what happened. And I <laughs> said, what? She said, the lady that I was telling you about that had been on our campus for 30 years she said she was going to retire because she couldn't get with this positivity stuff. <laughs> and so anyway, How and, sad. And that's, that's usually what happens <laughs> is, you know, even on my campus, Erica, you know, I, I called my campus a leadership development school. Mm. And a lot of my teachers didn't see students as leaders. And if they didn't see that, then they say, you know what, I want to, I want to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Because then now you're not aligned. That's why the mission, and I always talk about the mission and vision being so, so important. And we don't talk about that enough, where we talk about who we are and where we're going. Because if we don't do that, then we always get the wrong passengers on the bus. Mm-hmm. So we have to let people know who we are and where we're going, so they can make an informed decision as to whether or not they're in the right place. Mm-hmm. So when you go to a campus that has, you know, decided they're going to get on the energy bus, what are some markers to let you know that they're on the right track? What are things that you can see right off the bat and through conversations that let you know that they truly got it? First of all, the principal reach or the superintendent reached out. Mm -hmm. I I love when the leaders reach out. 
Sometimes I'll have teachers reach out and that's a, that's a bad sign, especially if they're not connecting me with the leader mm-hmm. and the leader is delegating the teacher or a counselor to do this. So when the leader reaches out to me, I can tell it's, it's going to be, it's probably going to be a good thing for their campus. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I see. It doesn't matter uh, how uh, dysfunctional the culture is. I think we can change that mm-hmm. as long as the leader has heart uh, to drive it and to do it and to just coach that person along with looking uh, for the positive because it's so easy, like I said, as a, a new principal for real, you go in and you can point out all these people that are just not doing the things that you need them to do. But we need to change that focus and get people, the ones that are excited to be a part of the team, energize them uh, so that they can energize others and we get more people uh, you know, to, to be, to be positive mm-hmm. and, and to want to improve the culture. Uh, but I think that's probably the biggest marker uh, is just having a leader and, you know, uh, a team members that are, that are ready to roll and, and get people uh, energized. Mm-hmm. And so since um, for most districts, the work will actually be virtual and will be at home, um, they have special concern now around parent involvement and trying to find ways to build bridges between the community and the school. What are some ways that they could do that and kind of make sure that that positivity is infectious and let parents and stakeholders know that their input and connection is what they want and is welcome? I believe having that parent group um, is, is going to be just so I just talked to a principal the other day with the same Well, she had a similar question. Mm-hmm. And I think in a, a group of parents together and talking about how they can reach other parents and the needs, uh, then that's where we start is by involving the ones that are interested so that we can reach even more and giving those parents a, a leadership role or even, you know, more of a role in trying to um, ex- extend, um, I don't know, learning mm-hmm. to, to other parents. So they can, I, I think getting parents, if parents have inquired about that, I would definitely pull those parents in that are interested mm-hmm. and then talk to them about finding ways to reach other parents and finding, you know, putting out a survey asking parents some of their needs, some of their concerns right now, and and finding people who can address those needs. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also, Nikki, I know that you do culture awareness training, which is so critical right now. Can you tell us a little about what that looks like? Yes. Uh, so the culture awareness training is an opportunity for our teachers to really look at their uh, teaching style to think about, okay, so how is this teaching style, my teaching style and my point of view, how is it impacting self? How is it impacting the people that I serve and the people that I work with? So there are uh, four sessions because this is a year long training. I like, I want to go in and kind of follow uh, our, our uh, participants to ensure that what we're doing is actually working. So there are four parts of there's the self-awareness, there is uh, student sensitivity training, Mm -hmm. uh, redirecting your role from being uh, the instructor to being more of a facilitator uh, in the classroom. And then the last part is maintaining high expectations for yourself and for others. Mm -hmm. So I know that that's kind of difficult for some teachers with 
getting to the facilitator role and kind of relinquishing the power a bit to students. How do you walk them through that? And why do you think that's such a, a big challenge for teachers? I think because if you think about it, a lot of us, we don't, you know, people don't want to be controlled, even kids. We, we want to walk into a classroom and, and feel like I, I'm safe to be who I am and I'm not going to be told by others that I need to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, just like with the adults, when we talked about, you know, you just don't give the power away. Uh, you really have to coach and you have to train what it will look like. So it's not, you just can't go in automatically and, and facilitate. You have, you first have to talk to students about their role in mm-hmm. the classroom. Mm-hmm. You have to explain your role. And so there's a lot of instruction or learning that takes place about the classroom, the classroom environment, mm-hmm. people within that classroom, expectations. You have to make sure all of those things are in place uh, before you know, you start to uh, become the facilitator. So do you find that teachers are open to this type of evaluation? Um, And if they aren't, what's, what's kind of the challenge that you have working with teachers around this work? Well, I think that the challenge is if I were to go in Erica and I said, okay, we're going to, uh, you're going to become more of a facilitator rather than the teacher. Teachers are going to push back because now I'm going in and I'm telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. When I go in, I'm always meeting the teacher where they are first. So mm-hmm. I want to know where you are mentally. Like, where are you uh, in your self-awareness? Mm-hmm. How, how, how well do you know yourself? Uh, so we do some intimate things with them first. It really feels like uh, it's a retreat for the teachers because teachers never get an opportunity to really fl- reflect on who they are, where they want to be. Mm-hmm. So we start there first and we develop that relationship just like they should in the classroom. So I'm modeling for them how to build that relationship first before we come in and then say, OK, now let's talk about how do we move more from being the teacher in front of the classroom to being the facilitator of learning. What does that look like? And why is that important? So you always give the why Mm -hmm. uh, first, Mm -hmm. and then you go into, this is how we can possibly do it. But I don't give, a lot of times I listen Mm -hmm. and we pull in ideas of people right there in the room that are doing the work. Mm -hmm. And, And so that sounds, that's a little bit different than going in telling people what they should be doing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now talk to us a little about your book. I'm so excited to hear (laughs) more about it. Okay. Well, uh, the book again is titled, uh, the finding the beauty underneath the struggle, creating your bus story. And it's basically what I'm talking about right now, uh, is just embracing our struggles in a new way. I talk to, I interview a lot of people, Erica, just like people like you and me who Mm -hmm. have had struggles and who have overcome them in a positive way. Uh, And so I interview a few people. At first I was like, okay, I don't know any famous people. (laughs) And I thought, you know, no, you need to just find some common people that people can relate to. Uh, One person I interview, she lost her son uh, to gun violence Mm -hmm. last year, really basically, I think it was like uh, last year. Mm -hmm. And I noticed how she came 
uh, she she came out front of that and it was like she was just this better person or she was just being so positive. And I just wanted to know where does she draw that strength? You know, mm-hmm. because when we look at people like that, we think, how do they do it? And she said to me, she said, you know, when they say that God gives you strength, mm-hmm. he really does. Mm-hmm. And she said she went back to work like a week after his funeral. Uh, but her story is so beautiful. So I capture those stories in the book uh, to help the reader understand that struggle is part of the human experience mm. uh, and, and to understand where we are in the moment. You know, I share with you that I struggled with negative thoughts. So I was in a place of victimhood for a, a long period of my life and I didn't know how to get out of it. So it, it, it was a lot of me becoming more self-aware mm-hmm. of uh, some of the core beliefs about myself that I had about the world and, and transforming that. Uh, so I talk about that too. And uh, I call it your writing because the reader is on a journey with me to write their own bus story, their masterpiece. And as we do this together, I'm sharing strategies that I've used along the way, but also I'm giving them an opportunity to assess where they are at this moment, their energy levels and Mm -hmm. and where do they want to be to raise that energy level so that they can accomplish the things that, that God meant for them to do in this life. Mm. I can't wait to read it because I think that that is an area that we all can focus on to grow in because a lot of times when we're going through things, as I stated earlier, we don't understand why we are, you know, but if we began to view things differently and have an open mind towards struggle and pain, we could find our way through for sure. Yes. So we are so grateful that you took the time today to chat with us about the power of positivity and the incredible work that you're doing across the country. If folks want to get in contact with you, what is the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, email is good, even though, you know, people like you contacted me on Twitter. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get contacts on Twitter and LinkedIn all the time. They can just look up Nikki Spears uh, for. But anyway, uh, my email is info at Nikki dot com. Awesome. Do you have any final thoughts or advice for our educators? Well, I think they should just, uh, educators, stay strong. Uh, You know, this is your moment. I think this is the time that a call to action for all of us to do something. And I think that when we come out of this, we're going to be much better than we were before. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you. We are so grateful that you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that in some small way you were encouraged and enlightened, as well as being equipped with some new skills to add to your self-care toolkit. But let's not allow the conversation to end here. Let's continue in community together all week on Twitter. We ask that you follow us at HCDE underscore TLC. That's the Teaching and Learning Center for the Harris County Department of Education. There you will find information about upcoming workshops, conferences, and other PD events. And also follow me at Erica D.H. That's at Erica E. 
double R I C A D H. And don't forget to use the hashtag HCDE Wellness Space. Until next time, be well.